0: Hi everybody, welcome to The Coco Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about two of the best titles ever released for The Coco. Really? In my humble opinion. You haven't played that many, to be fair. No, I haven't. Phantom Slayer and Donkey King. Yes, sir. Okay. And by extension, we're going to be talking a little bit about Donkey Kong on The Coco on the whole. Mm, Yeah. Sounds good to me. Now, Aaron, I know that you are a connoisseur of the paranormal. Would you would you would you accept not, that?
1: I, 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 I don't know if I go that far, but it. Does, well, how would you I, describe some, yourself? I do have some. How would you pass.
0: describe yourself with your relationship with the paranormal Passing activities? Interest. A past. I don't. I I call that a short a short selling of your. You've been to every single haunted site in this state multiple times.
1: No, I've been to a few. Yeah, I've been to a few. Okay,
0: now if you were going to go to a, let's say the the you know over in Moundsville. All right. Okay. And they were going to say, "Okay, Aaron, we're going to we're going to turn out the lights. And we're going to we're going to have you spend the night here." Okay. Okay. There there might be some phantoms. They might they might say that as they leave. Okay. okay?
1: That's that they lock it up right. They there? They lock it up all right, right there. there. Okay. Now, first of all, would you be afraid? Oh yeah, because that is a scary place, Moundsville. It's very scary.
0: Now explain to the explain to the listeners what Moundsville is.
1: Moundsville State Penitentiary in Moundsville, West Virginia a uh, prison that was around forever. I think it closed down in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, it saw a lot of bad action. It was known, it had a, r- a real bad rep for about uh, a lot of nastiness that went down. Uh, which is funny because the town it's in, which is Moundsville, has a very beautiful uh, Indian burial mound mm-hmm. in it with a lovely uh, museum attached to it. Mm-hmm. And it's very near the Palace of Gold, which yeah. is also awesome. So, yeah, Harry Christmas, and really the architecture at the Moundsville Prison is lovely, but inside of it, it's quite horrific. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, would you say it's more or less haunted than the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum?
1: Well, it's hard to gauge. To be honest with you, I'm not. I don't have a. I don't have a meter. Uh, I would say it was I would I would say slightly was, less haunted it was less scary than Trans Allegheny in mm. my opinion, yeah. So
0: you would be more I likely to spent the night there
1: though. I I wasn't in Moundsville at night. You would
0: be though. more likely to spend the night in Moundsville than at the in Weston. That would be a horrible choice
1: between the two. Uh, but I would probably oh boy, it would be I would probably I probably would pick Moundsville. Uh, to be honest. Although it's funny, both those both Moundsville Penitentiary and the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum are right in neighborhoods. So you know it's not like they're off on a mountain somewhere so, yeah. yeah you can look at the one at least see people maybe even yell at them you mm-hmm. know so you got that you.
0: yeah so okay let's say since uh, the trans allegheny Lunatic Asylum over in western West Virginia is slightly more scary let's pretend that we've shifted our scenario over there all right okay now what would you bring with you in terms of self-defense you know what is the uh, I know with vampires of course is garlic you want to have lots of garlic on hand when you're talking with the, about the paranormal what did the ghost hunting
1: type like to keep? Of course, they're trying. I guess they're trying to attract ghosts. It's a little different thing, isn't it? Well, I mean, again, this is an abstract concept here. What would I take to uh, to try to get ghosts to come to me? Well, I guess it depends on what you want, right? Well, I wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want <laughs> if that. If I was by myself, I, wouldn't. I yeah. would. Yeah. So I would take like a, a, one of those big boom boxes, maybe a portable TV. Duran Duran's greatest hits. You know, like on a, absolutely. Maybe a cooler full of cold ones. Mm-hmm. You know, that might help. If I actually wanted the ghost to come up, you just sort of, I think if you just go in there and wander around, they'll, they'll show up if they want to. Mm, you know?
0: yeah.
1: I don't think they like me because I've never really had that many ghostly experiences.
0: Mm. So. What's the most ghostly experience you've ever had?
1: Oh boy. You know, you uh, up on the mountain, I would hear stuff that was creepy. You know, like I heard someone yelling for help outside my bedroom window. That's when you
0: screwed in the air conditioner, right? That,
1: no, that's when somebody broke in. Oh, that was okay. enough. <laughs> What about you? Uh, you always ask me about this paranormal stuff, but you would never get your side of it. What scary things happen to you? Scary things happen to me all the time. Example: When Eep's not here
0: yeah. and it's dark outside, sometimes when I walk down the hallway, um, I, I see like a shadow. So really, really lightweight stuff that throws you a fear into you. I don't like it, and I, I usually go to the couch yeah. and I watch Everybody Loves Raymond, and that makes me feel better.
1: The ultimate palate cleanser of fear. You put on the most vanilla, <laughs> generic bread you can find. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Can you imagine? You know, I know because I know you're going to segue into the Phantom Slayer, and it's a good segue because I thought of, when I was playing this game, I actually thought about the Trans-Allegheny. It's funny you should mention it because uh, uh, you can go into some of these old buildings, and they are very maze-like. Mm-hmm. And I thought if the the feeling of being you see horror movies and you hear people. Are coming up down the hallways, and you look and there's no one there. You hear a creaking door, something like that. To actually have that happen in real life is pretty, pretty scary. I mean, you, I've been in, in places where you heard the door shut across the hall, or you saw a shadow. There's a long hallway in Trans Allegheny, and there's a window at the end of it, and light comes through it, and you'll see stuff pass in front of it, like a shadow, and you don't know because mm. was it an animal? Was it dust? You don't know what it was. Was it a creepy killer? from beyond. You don't know. Right. And so this game sort of did I have to say it did remind me of those experiences a little bit. Now, if
0: I was going to give you a choice, if I was going to have you rank in the order of probability, what was the most likely? If I yeah. said ghosts? Yeah.
1: UFOs? Yeah. Reptile Hillary Clinton. <laughs> well, I don't think Hillary. I think that's dead last. I think Hillary is a human. Okay. So I would say uh in the middle of the row would be ghosts, and at the top, most likely, I would say UFOs. UFOs. I'd say most likely you're all on
0: board on the UFOs. I'm
1: I am on board with the UFOs. I, I have a feeling, and the old, my old man same way. In mm-hmm. fact, of course, Dad doesn't think we've been to the moon, and Dad uh, fully believes that we have been visited by aliens. So there you go. But uh, I would not be surprised with UFOs, ghosts. You know, go where, either where, way. Where, where's the you know? There's a lot more evidence of something of unknown flying vehicles than there are ghosts. I, mean, I don't I, know. Have you watched the Travel Channel lately? I have. I have seen the Travel Channel and it's I'm not buying it. I'll be honest with you, I'm not buying it. Listen, the mountain monster guys live in West Virginia. If you ever watch their show, they, they try to construct a giant electrified bird cage to catch the mothman and they almost got him if you watch that episode. So, and when, uh, the local monster was a chupacabra in Putnam and Kanawha County and it was assisting uh, a Bigfoot they were they were working together They're, like a team. It's like a tag team. And I'm not it's making like JYD, and Hulk. I'm not know? making this up. That's yeah. what happened on the show. So they have not put a lot of faith in my uh, in, in me with the paranormal watching these shows. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. There you go. I can think of
0: no better way than to introduce this week's game on the Coco Phantom Slayer. Can you
1: imagine if a chupacabra and a Bigfoot were in this game? If they were working in tandem, you'd be screwed. You'd, it'd be over. You'd just hit reset because it'd be over. So. Phantom Slayer. It's funny. You know, I'd totally forgotten about this game, and so you you had some passing. I had, results had, yeah. Once I game. started this up, I was like, oh yes. And what I remembered was the actual visage, the 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 figure of the Slayer. They're very scary. It looking. strikes
0: a very frightening profile. It's like a
1: hooded, thin, tall nightmare, Dude, yeah. basically. So, Phantom Slayer. Now this game came out in '82. Now it's funny. I, I want to. I want to thank our good buddy uh, Curtis and his great webpage. Coco Show Game yeah. Committee yeah. member Curtis. Curtis yeah. interviewed the fellow that wrote this game, and, and, and I'm going to reference that quite a bit. But and you should always check out Curtis's game; show. it's really good. Uh, but uh, this was done by a guy named Ken Kalish. And now I, you know, I'm not up on my game developer names or programmers. This guy had done a ton of games I'd played. Like listen, to this list. I know this won't mean much to you. But he did a game called Trapfall, which is sort of a pitfall clip, I used to play that. He did a game called Invaders Revenge, which is like a Star, it's like a Space Invaders reversed where you play Invaders, I remember playing that. Monkey Kong, which is sort of a, another Donkey Kong on the code, code, he did that. He did a game called Athletics, with a Y and an X, where it's sort of like a track and field game. I remember playing that, and it was, I think that was a Dragon game, and I remember playing that, so he did a lot of stuff I'd heard of. Uh, so, but he's the author of this, and I'll get to him in a minute. Uh, this came out in '82, and this will run uh, on any, pretty much any of the Cocos. It also uh, was on tape or disc, so you're you were good to go. So, what is this game? It's a it's a very uh, bizarre game in a way. Uh, you are sp- plunked in a maze, and your goal is to go through here and not get caught, and to take out the your. The people that are chasing you. Right. That's basically the game. You um, You are. You are. What it is is a 20 by 20 grid of a maze. You've got two maze choices. You can pick one or two. Uh, and one is a lot less twisty than two. I don't mm-hmm. know, I, it's more open. It's still not. It's no picnic either no. way. But,
0: I mean it doesn't make the game any easier. In fact it makes it more difficult because the phantoms can find you more easily.
1: Right. Now on top of everything else in this game you're you're in this maze so really there's no there's no wrong turn per se you're just trying to survive and you're also trying to pr- take out your pursuers your pursuers are these guys from the fans as we as we talked about these long tall scary looking guys scary yeah. they're creepy looking even in, in this in the odd color palette of yellow blue and red they're still creepy looking guys they did a good job with them you're not unarmed in this game and you've got a couple but this is really weird. I don't think I even knew about this stuff when I was a kid because I didn't read the instructions. You hear a noise mm-hmm. whenever the uh, uh, the phantoms are within a certain range. Now, I didn't know this until I looked at the docs but you could actually set the range when you hear the noise. So you basically got a phantom detector on you. Really? Yeah you didn't know that? No. I read, I read the docs. So you can on the keyboard you can choose a number between one and six and each, and so if you pick six, that means whenever a phantom's within six grids of you, mm-hmm. you'll hear that noise. Mm-hmm. You can go all the way down to one. If you pick one, you're an idiot because by the time you pick one, they're it's over. You yeah. 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 And so what you, what you ultimately want to do is to get one of these phantoms where you can see them, but where they're far enough away to where they won't get you Im- immediately. Mm-hmm. Because your other weapon, your weapon in this is like a is like a gun.
0: It's a gun, and then, it's, it's described as a pistol. Yeah, or the and
1: you and it so it's you hold the spacebar down and he shoots the gun. It takes a couple. Well, seconds. what you have to do is you have to arm the weapon first. So you actually have to press the spacebar twice. Right, you have to hit the hit the spacebar. I just held it down, and then he will shoot the gun. And then it takes a couple seconds to like reload. So mm-hmm. you can't you can't just go up cool guy style and just start blasting away right. like in a movie. Yeah, no, it's not going to work. You know, would die. So. Another amongst the other things that you can contend with in the game, aside from these guys, are uh, there's a you'll occasionally will come across a green square. Have you ever come across this thing? Yeah, those are
0: the exit squares. No,
1: well, what it does is it takes you back
0: to where you, you started. Takes you back to the entrance yeah. exactly.
1: Which that doesn't seem like that big a deal, but it is. Well, it's really not. though. But it also. When you kill a guy in this, or at the beginning, you can hit the D button. I believe it's the D. Yeah, and, and you and you, you can, can see, see the, map the map. for a couple seconds. It doesn't. You all it does is basically give you an idea of where the phantoms are. Yeah, this, that's about it. This
0: was useless because the phantoms are on the move all the time, and you're on the move all the time. I didn't find if there's a strategy in knowing the information that you get when you see the overworld map. I didn't understand.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it gives you an idea of where they're at, and you could sort of. If you're good at na- navigating this map, you can sort of get an idea of how you want to play it. The phantoms can't move fast; they always move slower than you.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: yeah. so you've got that advantage on them. But they're they're uh, more there's three or th- th- two or three of them always after you, and so you they they've got the numbers game, and they always are coming towards you, mm-hmm. and they will always take the shortest route to get to you. Yeah, so. And if, we probably I don't know if I mentioned this, but you're in like a first-person view of this maze, and this is a uh, this is considered one of the earliest games to allow you to have this sort of view, and it, uh, uh, it's it's sort of considered in some ways like the predecessor to your Wolfenstein's and your Dooms. One hundred percent, and I'll tell oh, you, you, you're you agree with that? Oh yeah. Okay, I was wondering. You know, you... we've
0: played a lot of these first-person games on our sister show Amigos on yeah. the Amiga. And I will tell you that for being, a, you know, that this game fit on 16K. Yeah. And the smoothness, at which you rotate, that that is undersold in, in in like how you feel like you're actually in the game. You know, the whenever you are, for example, when we played Dungeon Master, you know, um, <laughs> whenever you turn. The screen basically just redraws itself, and you see you see your, your new viewpoint. There's no rotation animation at all, and it wasn't until I played Phantom Slayer when I realized that plays a huge role in how immersive this
1: experience is. And also, how it makes it easier to figure out what the heck you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're absolutely. right. That is This game, it's funny as as um, as old as it is, uh, the 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 programmer stumbled upon something there that uh, didn't really get catch on for a while, and that is. Showing the animation of that spin, it mm-hmm. gives you a vantage to know what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, listen, w- there are things I would have changed in the making of this game, but that's not one of them. That w- I, I like the way that worked. I personally wish that it had a, there was a goal. I mean, like not just killing the guys. Right. I wish there was. A, I wish there was a reason here, to be here, Here's around the what maze. I
0: would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen you start at the bottom of the screen. If you look at the overworld and work your way to the exit of the maze somewhere. Yeah. And kill phantoms along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the phantom. Listen, you don't change the phantoms because the one thing about the phantoms in this game is, and it's funny. I was reading the review that Curtis did uh, with the pro with the programmer, and the uh, uh, Ken, and Ken mentions that he wanted to, he because I mean clearly if you looked at listen to the list of stuff he'd done, he did a lot of like arcade clones and stuff, and he mentioned that he wanted to do something different that would make the player worry a little bit and make a little and add a little bit of suspense, mm-hmm. you know, and a little bit of. Uh, Uh, a little bit of uh, of uh, height you know nervous. Heightened the tension. Yeah. And and so when you hear that the the detector go off Mm -hmm. and you hear those guys are closing in, it's it's actually pretty creepy. It is. is. And when you spin around
0: and I'll tell you what this is like. This is like the original version of FNAF.
1: I don't know what FNAF
0: is. You don't teach middle school. Okay, FNAF. I'd be right. FNAF stands for Five Nights at Freddy's.
1: Oh, okay. okay? It is because I've never it, played that game. In
0: Five Nights at Freddy's, the big thing of the game is you're 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 going somewhere, and then all of a sudden you turn around, and right behind you is one of those animatronic fe- you know creatures waiting to eat you. And in this game, it's the same thing. You hear the dump dump dump, and you don't know where it's coming from. Then all of a sudden you spin around, and
1: boom, the phantom's right there in front of you. You know, I tried a couple different. Uh, I was not good at this. Okay, this is again that would probably require some practice. I I did kill some phantoms, uh, and, but it was hard for me to develop a strategy. Okay, because uh, and so what I started out, what I ended up doing was I would put my uh, phantom detector on six. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that would give you give me a, a broad range that I know. Okay, they're within six. You can hear them from far off. And then what I would try to do is get to a straightaway with a dead end, mm-hmm. and then and then t- you could you
0: could shoot them as they come down. You would your hope way. they
1: come that way. Is right. The problem, and it's so it's I had a heck of a time getting a good solid strategy, uh, uh, but it, I did enjoy it. And it was like I said, the the uh, the fear meter ramps up as these guys come around. Like I said, I think the I think what you had here was the the makings of an incredible game. That was at this point was only a pretty good game. I think there could have been, I wish like I said, a little more structured goal. But I mean, the the bones of the engine he used on this were quite a, quite remarkable. Yeah. I should also mention that aside from the fact that you get the two different mazes, you also got uh, different speeds, and there's also a training mode. Training mode just lets you run around the map without any phantoms, and you can just try to figure out how you know, and which is a good idea in a game like this because you should be able to go out and run around and and see which way how it's going to work, how the maze works because this would have probably been a pretty unusual concept to grasp in 82 when this mm-hmm. thing came out. Oh yeah. the first
0: per- Anything from a first person perspective was just you know a totally alien thing for most people.
1: Yeah. Um, and I was just reading Curtis. That's exactly what I did Curtis. I started it at 6. And as they as as they came in and beat that, I would go down to five. Mm-hmm. So you can change way, it on the fly. Oh, absolutely! And which I think that's a neat aspect of the game. That if you don't read the docs, you would never even know about right. that because it defaults. I think at like four. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, but you can change that on the fly. Um, I read when uh, Curtis interviewed uh, Ken that he said that uh, this game was partially inspired uh, by a sequence in a movie called The Fearless Vampire Killer. So I've actually seen this movie. Really? I think Roman Polanski did it. I think. She, I, in it? No, I think Sharon Tate's in it. Mm, now, if you remember really? her of the well, unfortunately she was yeah. killed in those in murders in, in California by the Manson family. But uh, this is a wacky sort of comedic vampire movie. I remember watching this one night. And is it was it like Dracula, Dead and Loving? No, it's not that wacky. It's mm-hmm. just like from the seventies, a real weird, that kind of weird. It was a weird macabre time. comedy, you know, mm-hmm. a real goofy film. But there's a sequence that he talks about that that sort of got his mind going on this, and I can understand, like I said, I haven't seen it move for a long time, but I had, I had seen it from a while back. Um, so overall, though, I think this is pretty fun. I mean, it's not one I'd play every day, but it is one that it was important. I thought you could certainly see how people were would look at this and get and think, okay, now we're on to something, let's move this up, the, and, and maybe they did. Uh, but I would I would say it's a pretty good game, and I, and it would be fun to show people as a, if anything, it's like a tech demo. It's a real beautiful game. Oh yeah,
0: and in fact, there is a very famous uh, video out there of someone using a um, one of these virtual reality walking simulators yeah. playing this game. Oh God, and this is that this, would be creepy. This is the most um, kind of. Uh, it's like the lowest tech with the highest tech possible because you've got this guy. This is one of these treadmills. I don't know if you've ever oh, seen this Oh yeah, I've seen before. these things. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. thing, it's, it's a combination of you. You've got this circle that fits around your waist and then you've got a treadmill that moves in any direction. So this is set up for working with the Oculus Rift or something like this. And this guy is actually set it up to work with Phantom Slayer. So he can move through this, through this maze with his feet. And have his gun set up to, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. neat. Where'd you see that at? I saw that L. Curtis B. Uh, he he linked me up with that. I love it. And um, he's the man when it comes to this game. This is the one he's made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, make sure you look. If you just look for Phantom Slayer Virtual Reality on
1: YouTube, you should be able to uh, to find that. Yeah, this is good. This would be perfect for that sort of thing. That's a that's a that's a good that's a good idea. So overall, though, I like this. I uh, uh, I did have a chance to. Uh, look up reviews i did find a review from the place i always get my reviews to the coco Games games review site and they gave believe it or not they gave this one a c plus they weren't as of it was i would give this a good solid b uh to be completely honest but i thought it was a good game and i'm guessing you did the same yeah yeah absolutely now we did get some
0: uh reviews of this on the um here Oh, actually, we didn't. We didn't get any reviews this week on the Coco Show. Uh, I guess Graham was not on duty this week. He, <laughs> for, he forgot about this one. So, uh, But uh, Phantom Slayer, to me, it's like I haven't seen anything from this perspective run as smoothly as this game. Um, it really set the standard, and like you said, it, I
1: think it was one of the major influences of, of Wolfenstein 3D, for I, sure. I will say, in, in closing, like I said, I played this back in the day, but I... Didn't play it much because I found it difficult. Knowing the keys, and that actually helped a lot for my enjoyment of this and uh, maybe my being a little bit older because uh, it was kind of creepy. And I will say also, like uh, I found the manual for this. I think this also encourages the site. And it's pretty creepy looking too. They did a good job of the art package on that, so I, I give that an enthusiastic thumbs up as well. I liked it. Good, yeah, good yeah, stuff.
0: I want to show quickly a uh, a quick video of this just so you can see it, Aaron. In case you haven't seen it, this is the um, this is the, the guy using that. How would you describe this
1: if you if you're if you're if you're listening to the show? It's a well, it is a walking VR simulation. Where the the fellow is on one of the tread the uh, you know treadmills that you walk, and he's actually lit this th- he's actually programmed this up to where he walks forward and backwards. It moves in step, uh, which is pretty slick. Mm-hmm. He's got his, he's got a joy pay there as a gun or some sort of gun. This actually looks like it's controlling pretty well with this rig. You it is it is amazing where you've got the uh, you've got uh, the two worlds meeting here. The incredibly old. Coco game meeting with something that's super state-of-the-art because of virtual reality. Very neat.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I apologize uh, for people that are uh, only seeing the gameplay scene on the video. I did not set up the scene properly. So, uh, sorry about that. Um, let me go ahead and, and uh, just move on to our next game, Aaron. Donkey King. Smooth <laughs> transition. <laughs> absolutely. So,
1: you know, we we do like our clones on this, on this show and we... Uh, we didn't get, I knew we wouldn't get too far along on The, on the Coco Show until we crossed paths with Donkey King or The King if you will and I'll get mm-hmm. into that in a moment. Now, um, We mentioned this game quite liberally in, the, uh, in our Sailor Man episode because they're both done by the same guy, uh, Chris Latham, uh, a, quite the genius and uh, uh, a very interesting fellow. Again, this is another guy, I watched a video uh, from uh, on YouTube with him uh, doing an interview. And uh, he, he I'd say it didn't look what I thought he would look like. <laughs> of course he's older now. What did he look like? He just looked like just kinda of, just like almost like it's like a, a next door neighbor, maybe who's a plumber or something, <laughs> a carpenter, you know. It didn't look like Donkey King program. No, I don't know what I expected. So uh this game uh published by Tom Mix. Yeah, and all those guys. And The immortal Tom Mix. Released at the end of uh, from what I heard, just in time for Christmas, nineteen eighty-two. Uh, and uh, uh, in, in 1983, it was it actually got a new name, which we'll get to that in a moment. Now, uh, this was also available on the 32k RAM uh, color computers, and there was a cassette or disk version. Now, if you want the tape, you got to pay 25 bucks. If you want the disk, that's going to cost you 28. As a, as a, wow! So this gotta, was an expensive title. You got to pay well. Yeah, no kidding. Because it, to be fair, it's considered one of the best cookies ever made. That might be why they probably knew what they had. Mm. So. Um, what do you got here with Donkey King? Well, it, clearly, you don't have to uh, be a genius to figure this one out. This is a clone of Donkey Kong. Now, I want to put you in to the time period of 82 okay. when this was released. Now, I was one. Uh, well, uh, you still, you know what happened. So, I remember Donkey Kong in the arcade. I loved it, as you know. I owned the game. So, I'm pretty intimate with Donkey Kong. Now, uh, there was inevitably a home port. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there were only, really three big machines that you would port this to. You had your you had your uh, Atari 2600, you had your ColecoVision, and you had your Intellivision at the time. Now, uh, the ColecoVision and the, the Intellivision port and the Atari port were both done by Coleco, who did a crap job, probably on, on purpose. On purpose, right. Because their uh, ColecoVision shift with Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. You know, and Donkey Kong it had, uh, had, I believe it had three levels and was a widely known as the best definitive version of Donkey Kong right. on the consoles. Well, party's over, ColecoVision, because here is your true champion. Mm. If you I remember when I first loaded this up and I was like, I just couldn't believe it. I could not believe how arcade accurate this was. This had the cutscenes. This had the tunes. This had uh the all four stages. This had everything. And you know 20, 30 years go by. I haven't played this for a long time. So I fired this up. In fact, I fired this up as soon as we finished the show last week. I went home and played this. And it plays great. It play, it was just as good as I remember it. Now, uh, you're not the Donkey Kong connoisseur that I am. I hate Donkey you Kong. You hate Donkey Kong, which that in itself is a punishable by death. <laughs> so you'll have to look at this objectively as a clone and not necessarily in, in, put your venom and vigor into it. Sure. Initially, when you see this the first time on the on the Coco, what were your thoughts? I thought it looked okay. Um,
0: You know, in 1982, uh, I believe that uh, this was probably one of the first home ports. If you look at it chronologically, Um, I don't think I think that the Atari and the Intellivision ports came out in '83. Now, I could be wrong about that, but I think that that's the case. Um, So, you know, for an early port, maybe this is like one of the first times that you could actually get this Mm -hmm. on any system. Kinda neat. (coughs) However, um, you know, I was exposed to this on the venerable Atari 1200XL. Yeah. And I am am sorry to say that the Atari uh, 8-bit version puts this version to shame.
1: I'm going to um, disagree with you on that because I've played the Atari 8 bit version of this. Okay. I, I don't think it's, it's good, to be honest with you, I don't think it plays as well, okay. but please go ahead. Uh, this game does
0: not play like Donkey Kong. This game is totally different. Like the first mm-hmm. level, the way that the barrels come down is in a totally different pattern and in a totally different way than the actual game, the actual arcade game itself, which renders it useless as a Donkey Kong clone. Uh, Donkey Kong himself looks like some sort of abomination from the nether realms. He's got this sort of like skull-like grimace that doesn't—it doesn't convey the kind of comical nature of Donkey Kong himself. This guy looks like a freak show. Okay, it's no good. Pauline, she looks okay. Mario, she looks—he looks okay. Donkey Kong, no good, no good. Um, this game does include, does it include all the stages? It's got all the stages? Guess what? If you're not good at Donkey Kong, you never see all the stages, so it doesn't matter. Um, I couldn't get past the first, the first screen of this game and I tried. I tried hard and I couldn't do it because it doesn't play like Donkey Kong. It plays like the Tom Mix special. Can you get, can you get past the first screen of Donkey Kong the arcade? Absolutely! I do it often. It plays totally different. The barrels don't fall on the same patterns. It's much more difficult. That's what I think.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on everything. Everything. Well, almost everything. Um, this game does so much right, that I'm surprised you, were, you didn't like it that much. This go, is not
0: Sailor Man. Let me just
1: go through if the... If you think that this a, is anywhere
0: close to Sailor Man, you're this wrong. This is close
1: to Sailor it's Man. It's not. It's not as accurate, it's but not. it's very close. So let's go through what they got right. Number one, the opening screen has a cutscene that starts out, that's awesome. It's also got all the girders intact, which was a, a completely uh, unknown thing to do back when this came out because no one was doing that. They had the girders all screwed up. This game gets all the girders on the screen just like the arcade. It's got the exact same setup as the arcade. It doesn't have the exact mm-hmm. same
0: setup because the barrels don't fall in the I'm exact not same way. I'm talking about the,
1: I'm talking about the grids. Uh, on the uh, the second stage, is set up the exact same. where you're not missing a level, right? They've got the the elevators are the same. So you've got you've got everything structurally the same. Uh, the hammers are in the right spots. They've done a good job at that. The hammers
0: are in the right spots. It congratulations, matters. congratulations, Tom Mix. Um, uh,
1: so Tom Mix is a publisher by the way. It doesn't matter. Tom so, Mix was responsible for this game. Yeah, and they, I hold him personally responsible. Tom Mix did a great job. Now, um, secondly. I agree with what you said. The The barrels and fireball do not act like they do in the arcade. If you try to implement arcade strategies in this game, I mean the basic strategies of this will work. When I say that, I mean the basic strategies of, of how you jump barrels, how you line up jumps. Well, yeah. You can that's jump the, over
0: barrels. That's the well, strategy. No, that's,
1: that's not what I mean. I'm talking the, the, the more subtle tricks you would use in the arcade for positioning, uh, and for uh, uh getting over multiple barrels stuff like that that stuff's intact. But if when it comes to like patterns you would run or timing that you're used to, it's different. And it's harder. Um, it, is it's harder. And it's it is harder. It's no, different and it's harder. Now listen, I, I I agree. It is a much more difficult game if you're used to the arcade. If you're if I would wager if you were if this is what you played and you hadn't played the arcade, it probably wouldn't be as hard, but it's still more difficult than the arcade in my opinion. And again, I've played a lot of Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Um I found the uh, one of the one of the things I didn't like is the length of time that you keep a hammer. It's funny in this game, getting the hammers is almost certain doom. It's not because you can't kill stuff with them; you kill everything. But the problem is, by the time you've killed things with the hammer, um, everything has respawned, and, it's, and it makes it difficult uh, to uh, to do anything because they're every, your enemies have it went in mass everywhere you're not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, in this game, the L and level flashes when your hammer's running out. So you know that your hammer's running out. But again, you, there's no worry about that because it lasts forever. Something else in this game, in the rivet stage, if you jump over the rivets, they don't disappear. You have to physically run over so, them. So, you know, I I'm, I guess I, I've never
0: tested that in the arcade game before. But So in the arcade game, when you jump over the rivets, they disappear?
1: Yeah. Okay, I and didn't this, know that. And this one, you have to run over them. Right. Now, this is actually an interesting strategy you can use if you want to get to the hammer in the middle of the screen, for example, in the arcade, you have, you, if you're coming from the side, you, you have to come over the rivet. But in this, you could actually jump the rivet, run, grab the hammer, and then run back across over the rivet and get to a place you normally wouldn't be able to get to with the hammer. Mm. So there's a difference there. Uh, on the first level, to get to Pauline, you could literally just jump up to her platform. You don't have to go up the ladder. Uh, the elevator stage is pretty much about the same. Just everything's kind of, there's a little bit of a different size. And to be honest with you, as good as I am at Donkey Kong, I never successfully got to the the to the to uh, cement the and, cement. Uh, and that's saying thing. something, because you're real good at Donkey Kong. Well, it took me a while to come to grips with the way you play this game because it's, it's, it is significantly different. And that's the thing. That's it
0: right there. This is a clone, okay? The whole point of a clone is that it's supposed to emulate
1: the well, original. And it, if it doesn't do that, it fails. No, it
0: fails as a clone. I
1: disagree. Because this is a great game and it's on its own on its no. own standing. No, and it, it plays you, it plays a great game with Donkey Kong. This it, game wouldn't have sold crap if it didn't have Donkey King on the label. I don't agree. I, this is a this is a top, listen. If you compare this with any of the other, you're telling me that the Atari 2600's, or the ColecoVision's better? No, I'm telling you the Atari Eight Bit version's better, which was released in the same year. I, I've I've got that. I've got that. On, I, and I don't think it's I don't you think don't, it's any you, better at you, all. You need to fire it up again because it's been too long. Apparently. I, all I'm saying is this game here, and we're not. This isn't a comparison thing. This is we're looking at this game. We're not comparing it to other systems. This is the game, and it does it play a good game with Donkey Kong? Hell yeah, it does. No, it does doesn't. Does it look good? Hell yeah, it does. Does it, it sound of. good? It, no, darn straight it does. Does it have all four levels? This is it a good does it go dunk, dunk, da 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 dunk. No. It still sounds good. It's yeah, kind of the, the sound, the, the, the sound that when you're not playing the game, sure it sounds great. I think you're holding your personal hatred of Donkey Kong against this version. Perhaps. I, uh, no doubt, and I, I think it's making you an irrational fool <laughs> because this is a darn, this is the top tippity top shelf of clones in this game. That's demonstrably false, by Sailor Man. I said of this, I think a clone of this game, Donkey Kong. Well, yeah, Kong. because
0: everybody else just called it Donkey Kong
1: and paid the licensing fee. Well, <laughs> this, I will say these guys changed the name of this in '83 to The King mm-hmm. because of, they were afraid of litigation from Nintendo. Smart move on their part. Yeah, because clearly it is Donkey Kong, yes. there's no doubt. But I think if you are if you are a Cocoa owner uh, or just looking to emulate a good game on the Cocoa, as, or especially if you're a Donkey Kong fan, I think you'll really enjoy this. I really enjoyed this quite a bit. I mean, again, it's strides, leaps and bounds uh, against uh, anything that was coming out in, that, in 82, and it was. A, it's a darn good game. It's got everything in it you would want. When this came out, I just couldn't freaking believe my luck. It was unbelievable. There are other Donkey Kong clone games on the Coco. We mentioned one, Monkey King, from the guy that did Phantom Slayer. Uh, it's nowhere near as good. Uh, this, this, I mean, it crushes it, and if you saw that one, you'd understand. It is, it is not good, but it's. I remember playing it quite a bit too before I got hold of this one. This was the definitive Donkey Kong on the Coco until the Coco 3 emulated version of Donkey Kong came out, which is very really hard to top that. Right, and yeah. we should talk a little bit about that. So. Uh, it's one I've not played. To be honest with you, I've only seen uh, vi- footage of it. Uh, a fellow, and it requires a uh, Coco 3 with a uh, a goodly amount of memory. Well, I know? can tell you that I have played it. Oh, you
0: emulated it? Yeah. Oh, add, add yeah. It. Yeah. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, now it's it's emulated. That
0: that said, it's the it's it's an emulation of the actual arcade game. Yeah, Uh, I read some docs about what he did, and he said basically, you know, the Coco does not have the jack to emulate the CPU of the original Donkey Kong machine, but you can use some tricks because of the larger amount of RAM that the Coco has. That you can actually make it work, and that is a frame by frame, you know, perfect. Uh, it's not a port, it's an emulation. But if, you're, if you've got a Coco 3 and you've got some RAM, you're good to go. You don't, need to, you don't need to mess around with this game.
1: Skip this game, play the original. Well, I, I don't agree with that. I, I, I've got the RAM coming, uh, and when I get it, this is going to be, maybe someday we'll have a look at the, uh, at, the at the emulator version, but uh, I, I think this is absolutely worth anyone's time that likes to play Donkey Kong. I disagree with both. All right. In fact, I've never disagreed more about anything we've ever covered on any show than I do on this one. Well, Aaron, uh, we do have
0: some pretty exciting news. We actually got a voicemail. Oh, neat. Um, Yeah, we got a voicemail from uh, a listener, so I'm going to play that here on the screen, except I'm not because our internet is gone, so we're going to have to wait until next week to play that voicemail on the air. Uh, hillbilly ISP strikes again. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, Someone feed the hamster. Now, next week, Aaron, we are not gonna be playing any game at all. There are no shows on the Amigos Retro Gaming uh, Network next week because we have a very special
1: event coming up. But why don't you fill us in on what yes. that is? Uh, next Friday uh, at 8 a.m., we will be having the Thanks for Marathon over at the arcade. We will be playing 10 straight hours of games spun on the wheel uh, wheel pieces suggested by you, our listeners and viewers. It's going to be a lot of fun. The Brent will be there. He'll be the he'll be running the show. Me and the boat will be there, setting in, having a good time. Oh yeah! And uh, it should be a lot of fun, boat. I don't know what all we're going to end up playing, but I think we're going to have a good time. Absolutely. And it's 8 a.m. Eastern time, USA time. So tune in. Uh, if you can't catch us live on Twitch, uh, same channel we're on now, then you can uh, check us out on YouTube probably the next day or two we'll have uh, the 10 hours broken up and put up on YouTube.
0: Yeah. We do want to thank all the fine folks that make this show happen, our Patreon supporters. Uh, We'd like to thank Jeff Landreth, Graham Vebke, Wing Chun Wolf, and Curtis Boyle. Thank you so much for supporting The Coco Show. And if you'd like to support The Coco Show, it is patreon.com slash The Coco Show. Yeah. All right, Aaron. We will see you next time. Until then... Bye-bye.